0: Heavenly Father, privilege always, Lord, to have heard your word, to have known that the Spirit actually led us to the space where we get to hear it today. God, as we have pondered it all week, reflected over it, prayed over it, we ask for an application to our own lives. May we have the courage to follow it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, you realize... And that today is D-Day, 31 days, right? Gentlemen, you do realize that? 31 days D-Day, what's gonna happen in 31 days? All the men are looking at their watches right now and thinking, what's gonna happen in 31 days? Oh, Valentine's Day, yes, of course. Because you men have already planned for Valentine's Day. You have already booked the restaurant, You have actually already planned for what you're going to do that night. You have booked the venue, the concert. You know exactly what it is. Some of you men are pulling it out right now saying, of course I have. Uh, You know, I would never let that creep upon me on the day and suddenly think, it is today. That would never happen to me. Um, But I just want to let you know that I have saved you. I have saved you. I have given you a 31-day notice. There is no way now that Valentine's could turn up and you would not be prepared for that. But yet, somehow, sometimes, something happens where you realize that something is missing, and it could happen there. And I hope it's not on Valentine's that you suddenly realize this, because most men should realize that they need... Their girlfriend, they need their wife, right? Most men should realize this. And truth is that this is the question that uh, draws our time today. And it's an important question today, one that we're going to draw from in the recalibrate question, the very first one, straight away. How important is community in God's creation model? How important is community in God's creation model? From the very beginning, before sin even arrived on this planet, when Jesus created Adam on day six, right? He held off creating Eve because he said, look, Adam, I need you to understand how important it is that you're going to enjoy, that you're going to understand how important it is that you're going to appreciate that you will need Eve. And the most beautiful words appeared in Genesis, and you can read them in the Bible, very beginning of it, in Genesis chapter 2, when he uttered these words where he said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. You remember those words? This is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, which means this, we both, we both, Adam and Eve, we both have hard and soft sides. We both are strong and gentler sides. We both complement each other and we both need each other. Not that the man just needs the woman or the woman just needs the man. We both need each other. It's not that one complete circle, needs the other complete circle because they'd just be bumping against each other, kind of weird. it would be like, you know, they don't fit. It's a half circle and another half circle kind of come together, right? It is that that becomes complete inside there. Because they know that something is missing. And it's great, and we enjoy, I mean, not just in relationships, we enjoy friends, we enjoy community, we enjoy all this stuff. Even fictional stories are full of this. You all remember the story of Scrooge, right? I mean, Scrooge is all about him coming to the point where he realizes he needs friends too, right? I mean, this is what it's all about. Any of you can watch any of these TV shows. You can watch Brave or Seal Team or Chicago PD or Chicago Fire or Bull or NCIS or SWAT. I don't know whose TV show list that is, but all of those TV shows will indicate at some point that those characters inside there learn how to exist inside friendships. Because inevitably, one of them will say, I'm going to go do something by myself. And inevitably, somebody will say, no, you have to do this together in community. And when you do this as community, you will be stronger together all the time. Community brings us together. But there are times, right? There are times when you learn this, and it's very, very hard, because you, you want to do this, but you just you resist it all the time. And we don't enjoy when something's missing. I, I have this uh, long-standing joke, it's not a joke, really, it's kind of embarrassing, uh, in my family, that I'm guaranteed pretty much to leave the house and return uh, within a minute or so, because I've forgotten something. Um, and so my family, you know, I always say goodbye, see you guys. And they're like, he'll be back 10, 9. Oh, what did you forget? They don't even bother to ask anymore. Because I'll be driving, like this morning, I kid you not. I was like, leaving church. I'm just like driving. I'm like, why has my Sabbath playlist not started in the car? Because my phone's uh, home. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I'm like, doing a U turn legally. Uh, you know, quickly, and I'm back, you know, because I forgot it, and and it happens all the time. And so we would rather not have anything missing, yet somehow God enjoys us understanding the journey of missing something and learning through this. And this is very important, that the build is worth it, all right? The build is worth it, because when you know something's missing, it's great when you find it, right? Now, I have some mates uh, that I used to work with, um, and they know that I love Apple products. I mean, uh, they really do. And I, I, I remember when, I, when the new Apple G4 Tower came out. I don't know if you remember this. It was, it was the Silver Tower, and uh, it's still a beautiful tower. I mean, I would actually just buy it and flowers in it. It's that beautiful, you know? It's, it's, it's that it's, that's incredible. And I remember when this came out, and I, my associates, uh, I was working at the conference office at, for our church uh, and taking care of youth ministry. And my associate youth directors uh, were, you know, when you're in youth ministry, practical jokers. And uh, and so I was always suspicious of these fellows. Um, but anyway, so this, uh, this G4 town was coming, but I was at a retreat. And I just couldn't wait for it to come. I was like, I was... I was an early adopter, so I had it, it was just going to arrive, I was going to get one of the first people to, to get this machine. Friday afternoon it, it arrived, and I got word that it had arrived at the office, and I was doing this retreat, and I came as quick as I could, and as I arrived in, inside the lobby, I saw the box there, and I was so excited, I, I picked up this box. I didn't even take it to the third floor, right, where my office was. I just opened this box, Down the office was empty. I opened the box right there, I just cut it open, and I just, and you know, Apple, I mean, they, they package everything really beautifully. I mean, they package everything, so as you open it, you know, doves fly out, and uh, flowers, and the scent arrives, and, and I heard in the background, Marvin Gaye was singing, let's get it on, Right? I mean, but it, it wasn't like, you know, that kind of way. It was just like, let's get it on, like switch the power on. That was what I was thinking. Uh, and I, I, it, just, it was just like, I was very excited about this machine coming on, right? So, and then as I came to the final layer and I opened this box, it, it just everything stopped. Because instead of this gleaming G4 aluminum beast, there was this beige three-year-old Dell tower. And I was just horrified. So I called my mates, because I knew uh, these rascals had done something. And, uh, and I called them, I said, well, you know, where, is my, where is my talent? And uh, they swore up and down that they had not touched it. They told me somebody stole it, you need to call them. What time is it now? No chance. You're gonna have to wait till Monday now. I was like, I cannot wait till Monday. I've been waiting for months. Apple releases this, puts you in the point of depression. Unless you wait for months before they release it, then they have a delay date because they want to torture you. And now I, I have received it. How dare you? I mean, how am I going to wait till Monday? I, I just didn't know what to do about this. And I thought, oh, the tape—they must have cut it. So I, I searched the box for the tape, but there was no cut anywhere. Now, here's the thing: Robert Hines is a pastor. He was my associate. This guy, and if you're watching Robert, uh, you will know this. Uh, Robert now works, by the way, in Florida Conference, as an associate youth Director in Florida Conference. FYI, if you are ever in Florida, go visit him. And uh, do something to him. All right? Just return the love. I don't mind. Uh, so he works in Florida Conference. He was a medical professional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went to medical school, practiced many years before he became a pastor. So he took out his surgical tools, all right? And he was able to cut this box without leaving any trace, like a ninja. Uh-huh. So I couldn't see where it was cut. I mean, he did. He just he cut the whole thing. And he, he was able to, with a knife, like remove the tape with no residual evidence, place this whole beige disaster inside there. If you have Adele, I'm sorry. Um, and then, you know, it's not even like one of those Sorry or Hello songs, Adele. Adele, just, you saw that play? No. That was good. It just went right over you, didn't it? Somebody got it, but not all of you. It took a while. He'll get there. Uh, but it, it was just like he, he sealed it all up, and I was—it was like seconds away. I said, "Robert, calling the police," and I hung up on him. And I was just—I was going to call the police, and then he called and caved in. Didn't you, Robert? Yeah, he did. I know. I know. He told me it's upstairs, set up on level three of my office, and I was like, "Okay." So I went up there, and I named her. The legend. I know. I know. Great name, appropriate. I name all of my Macs, different names, uh, and it's the white thing to do. But it was so good to be able to wait and to experience that, not so good to have that joke played on me. Now, last week, Andre Wang, who was here, he opened up the whole new sermon series for us, right? The Movement. And you notice that in the advertising for this series that we're doing, which is beginning of 2018, there are certain letters that are missing inside here because there's something implied Inside the beginning of Acts, that there is missing. And Jesus does imply this that there is something deeply missing here. And Andre reminded us that the disciples knew that they were not complete, that they were broken, that they were in half a circle, that they needed something else to complete them, that they were waiting for something amazing to happen, that they had arrived and they were like, they wanted something to be able to open it, and they longed to be restored, right? And it actually says in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, and if you have your Bibles, you can pull out your pew Bibles, page 106. The text will be on the screen as well, page 106, Acts chapter 1, verse 6. This is what it says in the Bible there. It says, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? This is what they hoped for. They understood they wanted this. In fact, what they really were asking for was a beige Dell, right? They didn't know that God wanted to deliver them a G4 Mac. No, no, no. They wanted something really old like that. Now, when they thought the prize was in sight, when they thought that Jesus was resurrected, and they thought everything was done, even though they hated, they were hated in all of Jerusalem, they were told to stay put. And they were told, and this is deep, wait for something because something was missing. And they were ready for something to happen but something deep was missing. It's as if they had opened this box, looked inside, and said, definitely, something is missing. So when they do this, they start to retrace their steps, don't they? They start to think, second-guess themselves. Did I open the box right? Is the tape missing? Is there something going on? They call their friends, and they did this. And Peter steps up, and when you read the story, on a Duplo level, you start to think to yourself, could there be something else going on? Is there something very simple going on inside here? And Peter sees the panic in their eyes, and so he stands up, and he draws attention to them, and he says, listen, I need you just to focus on the mission. Let's, let's elect leaders, right? Because uh, we've got all this time to wait. Uh, let's establish some kind of order here. At least that's what you think. But there's a, a technic moment taking place inside here that Peter's part of, right? Here it is. It starts in Genesis. <laughs> Genesis chapters 1 to 11. And he brings us back all the way through. From Adam and Eve, um, through Cain and Abel, through Noah and his sons, through the Tower of Babel. When they, all of these people, wanted to bring heaven and earth together. That's what they did. Because from the fall of Adam and Cain and Abel and Noah, all of it came to the Tower of Babel, you get this moment where they gather together. They build this tower and they say, we will never allow God to be in control anymore. We, human beings, will be in control. We will listen to Satan instead and we will build this tower and we'll be in control and we will bring heaven and earth together. Now hold that thought. Who only brings heaven and earth together? Who only brings heaven and earth together? God only does, right? And when he comes, when he comes in the Bible story, he comes, he dwells amongst them in a sanctuary right? He brings his presence into the temple. He fills the temple up so much, that the priests had to step outside, and they said, this is just filled with the glory of God. The camp says, we need to take the temple and put it on the outside. It's just, it fills the entire valley here. And when you read the book of Acts, you're going to find that the book of Acts has so many points where the temple becomes central. Acts chapter 14, Acts chapter 17, Acts chapter 19, 21, the temple is going to kind of like pop up all the time through the book of Acts. But who gets to proclaim the temple? Who gets to talk about this? Israel does, right? And they have 12 tribes, and Peter's looking around. He's got 12 disciples. No, he doesn't. He has 11 disciples, including himself. So he says, well, we've got to restore the temple, so we have to put some kind of order. Well, of course, let's get another disciple. It's logical for him. Let's keep our eyes on the mission, which is so hard to stay focused sometimes for the long game. People become really distracted when you have to be focused for the long game. I mean, who wants to wait, right? We would like to live in a world of instant gratification, in a world of instant satisfaction, a world of instant pleasure. We do not want to wait for Jesus to return. We do not want to wait for anything to be done. We want everything to happen instantly. And we forget the big picture all the time. But Jesus said, look, I need you I need you just to get some perspective. I need you to get some perspective. Last week, in Open Word, uh, the class that meets here, right here, the, the Connect group that meets right here, uh, there was this great illustration, I'm trying to remember who brought it up, whether it was Jeremy or Thomas, somebody brought this up, where they talked about how you know when you go on a, on a trip with your family and you've just begun the trip, and you, you know the trip is like 400 hours. You've got to drive across, I don't know, England. And uh, it's going to take that long. Because of traffic, not because the country's that big, but just because it's great. You have to stop and look at everything. And, um, and, and then as you start the journey, within three minutes, your children turn around and say, are we there yet? And you're like, what do you say when you know the journey's 400 hours long? Do you say, yes, we are there? Or do you say, no, we have 399 hours and 57 minutes to go? And so how do you extend that kind of time? How do you extend the mystery of it all? How do you keep the eyes on the mission where it's going on? And Jesus knows this, and he has some ideas for us to keep our staff inside. He says you need to get some kind of perspective. So question number two, how do we create perspective? Because we are talking about Acts chapter 2. You know, in in the Seventh-day Adventist church, um, they have this thing called uh, Sabbath school. And Sabbath school, like Sunday school, because we call it Sabbath school because uh, we meet on Sabbath, which is on Saturdays. And so we, we just co-opted the name Sunday school and called it Sabbath school. And, uh, and so we, we created a, a lesson, a quarterly, that we would study every quarter uh, on Sabbath mornings. And so I went and looked at the archives uh, yesterday. And I decided to find out when was the last time we studied the book of Acts. Because we're going through all the books of the Bible through Sabbath school. Uh, when was the last time we looked at the book of Acts? Now, when do you think we looked at the book of Acts? Two years ago? It's two years ago when we studied the whole book of Acts. Did we study the book of Acts? That, do you have evidence of that? That's your guess. 1967. And then I thought, well, when did they do it before that? 19. 27, and then before that, 1916. And I was like, hmm, so then I downloaded the Sabbath schools from those ones. Pretty fantastic. Uh, So I'm gonna do some work on that for next week because when we talk about the church next week, uh, it'll be really interesting to see that. But the Book of Acts is a pretty powerful book that talks about who we are, talks about what the church is, and I thought, hey, we need to spend some time inside there. But creating perspective is an art And it's one that we lose so quickly, don't we? Jesus saw this in all of his disciples. Let's face this. Jesus saw this in humanity. He said, you guys lose perspective all the time. How much time before Adam and Eve, how much time before Adam and Eve ate of the fruit? Did they like have breakfast with Jesus that morning and then say, hey, thanks for breakfast. I love that oatmeal and that fried chick. No, no, they're not fried chick. (laughs) No, they just had oatmeal. And uh, they had oatmeal with uh, no milk, of course, because they're vegan. Um, No, they had dairy. It was full-fat milk. It was fantastic. So they had oatmeal with Jesus. And then did they literally just say, thanks very much, and walked over the tree and said, hey, loved it. Was that quick? Did they say, good night, Jesus. I loved walking with you that evening. And the next morning, they prayed, talked to Jesus a little bit, and then they walked over the tree and grabbed the fruit. How long was the time between speaking to Jesus and arriving at the tree and saying to himself, what, me, no, no, no. You're saying to yourself, it could not have been that quick. Surely if they had seen the face of Jesus or sat down with the Father about 10 minutes before, there's no way they would have taken the fruit, right? That's what you're thinking to yourself, right? What about the Hebrew children released from 400 years of slavery, right? Bondage They crossed the sea. Fire behind them, cross the sea. They see the miracle of God. I mean, just amazing stuff taking place. Fire, thunder, Moses goes up, and they're up there in the mountain, and he's talking to God. How long did it take them to decide to create a calf and have an orgy? What? Really? Three days? They couldn't wait that long? No, you wouldn't take that long. You would have waited months before you decided to have an orgy. Or never? I don't know. Oh. What about Elijah? Elijah calls on the name of God, and he listens and responds and sends fire down that not only consumes the sacrifice, but actually dissolves and disintegrates the rock like a crater, like a, like a meteor just comes down, like, like out of space, destroys it all. And in that moment... He's like, yes, he runs faster than the chariot that the king's in and then Jezebel sends him a text message and he's like scared. I mean, seriously, would you be? No, no. We go to church every single Sabbath. We sing songs to Jesus. We hear the word of God. We listen to a sermon. We go through a connect group. We process everything. We have a fellowship lunch. We get in our car. How long before we fight with each other? Before we say something nasty about somebody else? No, I usually wait until Friday. I wait a whole week. I'm so, no, no, no. Or do you wait like 30 seconds? Or do you do it by text inside the church? Can you believe that that person to the left? Oh, that's my husband. Sitting right next to me. I know, I'm sending him the text. I mean, how long do we wait, right? Maybe we need to remember this, that we need to be thankful for all that God has already done, right? Maybe we just need to start becoming more thankful for all that God has already done because Jesus was constantly breaking it down. I mean, wasn't he, he was constantly breaking the barriers of the Jews and Gentiles. He's constantly breaking down the barriers that we had against women and children. He's constantly breaking down the barriers of how we even approach God. He was saying there's a joy in salvation. He said, look, Jesus said, I pulled 12 disciples together, including Judas, because there's room for everyone in the kingdom. Jesus said, hang in there. In John chapter 16, verse 33, he said, I have overcome the world. Why? He says, I've overcome the world, so we can overcome the world, not because of our strength, but because we hang inside Jesus, right? So when Peter and Judas both betray Jesus, he says, you both have the opportunity to come home. You both do. And Jesus says, it's about perspective. You are always welcome home. You're always welcome home. Now, how do we teach this, my friends, is so important. And Jesus needs us to connect all the dots, and he's been laying this incredible table for us to eat. He really does. It's like he's got this incredible banquet table, right? And he's put all this beautiful food over there. And we're in the kitchen trying to light the oven. And he's like, I've cooked it. <laughs> it's on the table. And we're like, I think, I think it's gas. No, it's electric. I don't know. Let's try both. I mean, we're we're gonna explode the house. And Jesus' like, the table set, come and wait for the Spirit to work in you. Just watch and wait. Last summer I told you um, that we were going to reach this book of Acts at some point pretty soon. And I want to jog your memories here because I said that it's really significant that we connect what happens in the book of Revelation with the book of Acts. Now, you've got to remember that Jesus has been doing this for three and a half years with disciples, trying to teach them. That there's a significant moment taking place inside you. Because you read the story and you think, well, Jesus came along, he resurrected, he ascends, and then he sends the Spirit. Is that what the story is about? Does he leave them all depressed? They said, I was going to restore Israel. They have forgotten everything. So Jesus, I'm pretty sure, said a lot to them, explained a lot to them, said, look, my friends, do you remember when I raised Lazarus? And they're like, yeah, yeah. I remember when you raised Lazarus. He says, do you remember when I told you that it was a start? And they're like, kind of. <laughs> and he says, well, let me repeat some of the words to you. And then he says to them, he repeats the words that he said in John chapter 12, verse 31. He says, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from earth, will draw all people to myself. So when he repeats these words to them, there's new meaning now because he's about to say, I'm about to be lifted up. I was crucified. I was lifted up. I'm about to ascend. I am going to deal with the ruler of this world. But he's about to take the ruler, Satan, out of this. Do you get this? Satan grabbed planet Earth from Adam and Eve. He owned this planet Earth. And when Jesus was in the garden being tempted, right, and Satan comes to him and says, Do you want planet Earth? Bow down to me. I mean, it was his to give away. He owned planet Earth, right? So Paul shares this insight with us. He tells us Acts 2, Acts 2, he says Jesus has become this amazing thing. He's saying, look, Jesus, when he ascends, he becomes the co-ruler of the universe with God again. And he's taken the planet away from Satan. In Ephesians chapter 1, he says, he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. That's what he did. He seated him in heavenly places. So at ascension, at this little thing where we just see Jesus rising up, an amazing thing is about to take place because the Spirit is about to happen. And Paul repeats this in 1 Corinthians 15 as well. Satan no longer has access to heaven anymore. And we can say, thank you, Jesus. Right? That's what happened. Thank you Jesus. He no longer represents this planet anymore because in the book of Job we can say thank you Jesus. There is now another war in heaven, the Revelation chapter 12, and we can say thank you Jesus. And on that day, Revelation chapter 5 says, John tells us, right? Jesus telling the churches, Jesus telling us That the scroll, when it's passed on and the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to pour the Holy Spirit on this. It is the birth, it is Pentecost, and the church will be born. And who will prevail against it? Nothing. Because it will be driven by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why, my friends, you can't stop the church. Right? You can't stop the church. People like, ah, oh, man, we got, the church's going to die. You know, it's just like the church is dying. Nobody's coming to the church. But you can't stop the church because it's not driven by us. It's driven by God. It's driven by the Spirit. And God is saying, I have this church. I'm driving this church. And I'm driving the people. And the people are this church. Now, watch this contrast. The Tower of Babel... The Tower of Babel is where the confusion took place. They followed Satan, they became confused, and as a result of this, they ended up in confusion, right? Pentecost, they are in confusion, they follow God, and they speak with one voice. You see the contrast? Because Pentecost is the reversal of the Tower of Babel. This is what happens. The Tower of Babel is following Satan, we end up in confusion, and Pentecost is where God is saying, I'm going to bring it back. So I'm going to bring you the hardest question that you're going to have for 2018. And this is the hardest question. It's question number three, our final question for this morning. Are we lost in translation, or are we seeking their lang- speaking their language? Are we lost in translation, or are we speaking their language? I wrote about this during the daily walk this week, about how easy it is to be able to hear your own language in different circumstances. You know, when you travel abroad and you hear somebody speak in English, how it's music to your ears. And it's soothing, right? And so there are moments in your life where you just like, you connect with something and it's just really, really powerful. Well, when the Spirit came, the Spirit, what it did is it took the Gospel and then translated it for us. And it descended down so that the Gospel was translated sometimes. And I feel sometimes, my friends, that we have muddied the Gospel. So, what if What if the Spirit came one day and explained to us that we need to go speak to the eunuch in Acts chapter 8? And as we explained to the eunuch in Acts chapter 8, said the eunuch understands what the gospel is, and I want you to be able to baptize that eunuch today after fellowship lunch, because the eunuch now understands. Is it that simple? Or have we made the gospel more complicated? Have we laden down the gospel with too many requirements. You know, I, I remember us reading in the Bible many times how we say that Jesus has a, a wide path and a narrow path, right, and he says the, the way is a narrow path, but I, I never read that Jesus said it was a tightrope. You ever read that? He just said it was a narrow path, and he said he's with us on this, but I, I think that sometimes we've made the gospel this tightrope, this finickety tightrope that's just impossible. Jesus says, look, I'm calling you to something, it is daily, and it's your will that you have to put inside mine. But I, I, I feel like we've made the gospel so complicated and so difficult. If the gospel were a boat, if the gospel were a boat, and we were inviting people into this boat, and that because the only way to get across, right, uh, through this storm, is to get into this boat, um, would you load it up with stuff? Would you load it up with stuff and then put the people in there? And you're like, what is this stuff? What is the stuff? Well, just so you know, my stuff's important, <laughs> all right? And you're like, but no, 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 hang on a second. Your stuff is excess baggage. No, 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 my stuff is important. Well, what if What if all of our stuff is excess baggage, right? What if all our stuff is excess baggage? I mean, this is complicated things, right? This is a difficult question that we're going to wrestle through all of 2018. How do we distill the gospel to know whether we're putting baggage into the boat or whether we actually actually, really do understand what the gospel actually is? Next week, when we get into the rest of Acts, as we start to move into Acts, we're going to look at what the call is for the church. Because when they receive the power of the Spirit and they speak it into the languages, people understand the gospel. And then they become this church and he describes, Luke describes what the church is. And I, I wonder whether we actually are that church. I wonder whether we are faithful to the description inside that church there. This week, uh, Becky uh, was finishing up, designing the, uh, the journal for the One Project. It's our final One Project gathering coming up um, in San Diego. We're closing the, ga- the project down. And uh, it's a, it was a, a complex process, right, to do that. She was doing a little copy editing and the writing and designing it, and it's 100 pages long, and I'm going through it. And uh, it's an emotional experience as I'm, I'm looking through all the images and, and the narrative and the story and what we actually say inside there. How do you capture seven years of, of, uh, of a movement of our lives and other people's lives and stories that have transformed my life and other people's lives as well? and what it means to know Jesus, full stop, all full stop. Um, Rod Long, a uh, good, good brother of mine, uh, he, he spent a lot of time last week uh, going through the web and through various documents and, and pulling out all these quotes of, uh, quotes that people had written to describe what it meant, what the gospel meant to them, and, and quotes that they'd read in books, or they were trying to describe what Jesus, full stop, all full stop means, right? And uh, I want to share a few of these with you um, because it's, uh, it's complex, my friends. It is complex, and yet it is incredibly beautiful. This is what uh, uh, G.K. Cheston said. Jesus promised his disciples three things, that uh, they would be completely fearless, absurdly happy, and in constant trouble. <laughs> Do you like that? I thought, man, that's, uh, that's uh, kind of appropriate um, and very much so ourselves. Um, and I thought, yeah, that's true. Jesus did promise us that. Completely fearless. Are we completely fearless when we think of the gospel? Are we uh, absurdly happy? And are we in constant trouble? Whew. Um, here's the next one. Christianity without the living Christ is inevitably Christianity without discipleship. And Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ, right? How can you be a follower of Jesus if you're not willing to be a disciple? If you're not willing to engage in the word of God, how can you proclaim it? You could wear a cross, you could have the most beautiful tattoo, you could have your most incredible Bible, you could come to church every single week But if you're not willing to ever talk to God, you're never willing to engage in a discipleship walk. I mean, Luke talks about it. He says daily, every single day, you're with God. You've got to be with God. Timothy Keller said this: the gospel is good news to be believed, not good advice to be followed. (laughs) I like this. The gospel contents is his son. The gospel centers on Jesus, it's about a person, not a concept, it's about Him, not us. We never grasp the gospel until we understand that it's not fundamentally a message about our lives, dreams, or hopes. This is difficult for us, all right? The gospel speaks about and transforms all of those things, but only because it isn't about us. It's a declaration about God's Son, the man Jesus. Do you hear that? I think sometimes we make church all about myself. I've had so many people, so many people like, tell me what church does to me. Like, you know what? Church will do something for you. But you know what you have to do? You have to actually give your will over to God and look to God. And let God transform your life. And when you're transformed and stop focusing on yourself, watch what happens to you. You become a different person and that different person is incredible. You change the world, and you no longer start thinking about yourself. You no longer become selfish. You actually start to care and love, and you start to live this thing that God has called you to. This next one's really beautiful as well. This is a bit harder for some of us. You will come up from the grave without anything, but if you have Jesus, you will have everything. He is all that you will require, to stand the test of the day of God and it's not this enough for you right we will have nothing but all we need is Jesus Alan White wrote that in 1894 thought that's beautiful and then I thought this is a a fitting one a fitting one that we'll close on today it's found in uh, in the message translation and you've read it in, uh, inside the English Standard Version um is uh, in your pew Bibles, and it's beautiful inside there as well, but I've chosen the message version for today because I think that it just speaks directly to you. When Jesus said this, I am the road, also the truth, and also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me, and if you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, you've even seen him. Isn't that good? (laughs) You've seen him. Because when you see Jesus, you see the Father. And the Father says, I sent you the Spirit. Because when my son ascended, I gave him the scroll. Because only he could hope in the scroll. And he is the Lamb who, when he sat on the throne, sent the Spirit. And the Spirit infused into your life. And it made you speak with one voice. And that one voice is the gospel that transforms the lives, that makes us the people, that will turn this world upside down. That makes us get into trouble with everyone, (laughs) right? Because it's actually changing people. It is, it's changing our lives every time. And it's difficult because there are things that are missing all the time and God is calling us to that all the time. It's time to listen to the voice of the Spirit in our lives in 2018, it really is. It's time to open your heart to that voice call on that voice and say, God, I respond to that.
1: Jesus Lord, sing the Holy Spirit Of love, when my heart becomes free, the shame is. Up.
0: But I've sat down with too many of you in the first few days of this year and uh, I know some of you are facing a lot, really a lot already and you are calling on the spirit already so I'm going to pray for you in this whole series, the beginning of this year here I'm going to pray this prayer that God builds a huge fire behind you right? that God parts the sea in front of you that God gives you the faith to cross it right? and I want you to claim this prayer with me and if you want to claim this prayer with me I'm going to ask you to raise your hand because I don't know what you're facing but I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say God whatever you're facing whatever you have to deal with whatever you want to confront with whatever you want to deal with this year and change in your life by the power of the spirit you will do this this year heavenly father oh heavenly father by the power of the spirit for 2018 for the week ahead for this particular moment God you know whether it's my job and my life, whether it's my family, my marriage, my friendships, whether it's being a parent, whether it's a loneliness or a happiness, Lord, whether it's anxiety or my health, whether it's the loved ones, my neighbors, whether it's my walk, or my faith, whether it's deciding what career, whether it's just the knowledge or the desire to be able to discover you, God. May you build a big fire behind me. May you part the sea before me. May you give me the spirit to be able to walk through. May I see you in the promised land. In Jesus' beautiful and powerful name, I claim this promise. Amen and amen.